And happy Saturday once again. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Wretched High Podcast. Today we are breaking down Season 1, Episode 6 of WandaVision. My name is Steve Baldwin, and the entire Hive is chiming in today. Scott, Dave, Greg, and Nico, good morning, kind sirs. Hey, good morning. Hey. Hey, I'm sorry, I haven't slept. I don't have enough coffee yet, but I want to jump right in with this opinion. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? I think some of Scott has rubbed off on Dave all of a sudden. Guys, episode six of WandaVision uh, dropped yesterday as we're recording the show, Friday, February 12th. Uh, I just want to say, what time does Scott rubbed off on Dave? (laughs) Guys, high-level review, high-level thoughts on this episode. What did you think? Dave, I'm going to start it off with you. It, it, things are finally happening. The dominoes are finally getting kicked over. And since this is uh, a nine-episode arc, we officially hit the end of Act 2 last night. That was a good ending of Act 2 where the stakes get raised considerably. And now we're going to buckle up and barrel towards the end of this. And I suspect somewhere around Episode 7 or 8, find out if there is a true bigger bad behind the very obvious big bad Wanda. Yeah, pretty soon our all of our homes, I think, are going to be inside the hex at this rate. And who knows? That may be how we get the reverse house of M, but I'm probably getting ahead of Scott in his 17 pages of notes. <laughs> uh, talking about Scott, Scott, um, what did you think of Whoa. episode six? Yeah, I haven't given any episode an actual letter grade, but I'm giving this one an A+. Plus. I was... I mean, I've enjoyed this series so much. I've had a couple little nitpicky moments, but this episode was fantastic. Um, Plus, I'm a huge fan of Halloween, which was a big part of it. And yeah, Dave's right. They raised the stakes (laughs) drastically um, by the end of this episode. So I'm excited to see what happens from this point on. Greg, what were your thoughts on uh, episode six? Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Was that Greg? Was that Greg or Nico? It's it's a it's a short show. I'm trying to keep my thoughts concise, guys. It's hard to tell uh, apart. No, that's that's all he wrote down for notes. He just wrote loved it across the. You, Greg, your review knocked out Greg. He's literally looking at the ceiling right now. Nico well, Rodriguez. Nico. Uh, I'm sorry, Greg. I'm Nico. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Captain of the Millennial Falcon, Nico Rodriguez. What did you think of episode six? Oh, welcome to the Saturday show too, okay. by the way. Okay. And well, it's not my first one, but. Uh, do you uh, want to tell us what you thought about the show, or uh, are you going to make breakfast? It. <laughs> he yes. loved it, is what he's saying. I guess he's sharing notes with Greg this morning. <laughs> Can you not hear uh, his mic? No, are you the only one who can't hear his mic or something like that? Because we all hear him talking, Steve. Hi, oh. Steve. <laughs> what is uh, happening? Let's go ahead. I don't know. Something's going on. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right in uh, and keep the momentum going uh or maybe build some momentum i don't know what's happening this morning but um what did you guys all think of the uh the remake of malcolm in the middle you know that i'm gonna i'm gonna start because i was not a malcolm in the middle fan so i wasn't really familiar with it but all i noticed about it is how you know and those of us who lived through the 90s nico was just a, a a toddler in the 90s but those of us who lived through it you know, everything was extreme with, you know, with a capital X and everything was was, you know, you had your boys ending in a Z. And I hated that era. So this whole theme song and just the the jump cuts and the kids, you know, running around. 
I hated it, guys. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't stand it. It certainly screamed 90s. And and the first thing I, I, I noticed right away was the breaking of that fourth wall. You know, when yeah. when Tommy, I think it is, is, is talking directly at you, the viewer. And I don't know, Scott, I know you had um, some feels about the, uh, the theme song that was written this week. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I got I got There's a weird thing with the show. Um, the thing is, is it's not really 90s. Malcolm in the Middle debuted in 2000 and went for six yeah. or seven years. So that's I think why, that's why I yeah. So I thought it was weird that they went with that. I thought, you know, I know Friends is not a family show, but you know, there was I don't know, Party of Five. There was other family type shows. Yes, that that famous <laughs> sitcom Party of Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they definitely touched on Full House on the last episode. So that's what's kind of weird. They seem to be on the cusp of the end and the beginning of the decade in each one of these episodes. So that. It did feel like they did skip a good seven, eight years and went right to the 2000s. So I don't know. I But you know what? The, the Malcolm in the Middle thing, Steve, I I, I, I understand and respect Greg's uh, point of view on this. There were certain things I didn't like about that decade, um, that time. But Malcolm in the Middle was a fantastic uh, series. And I think the way they captured it was just beautifully done. It was extreme. They do break the fourth wall a lot. Uh, the main kid... Malcolm is talking to the camera quite a bit in that show, and they captured it perfectly. In fact, Vision has a moment that just made me feel or think of Brian Cranston so much. He does have a great, just like, real close-up shot, thumbs up in the air, looking right at the camera like, hey, I have no no reason to really be here, but I'm just going to make a stupid gesture at the camera and say something ridiculous. And it was just perfect. You, yeah. I, I know I know you wanted to talk about the, the oh. lyrics of the song. Are there some clues there? The whole what's going song, on? yeah, the whole song is a massive clue to everything that's going on. But I'm going to point out a couple lines in here. But like right off the bat, um, I like that they're almost singing the song to Wanda. It is about Wanda, but the, the first lyrics are Wanda, Wanda, like they're talking to her. And then it says Wanda Vision. Don't try to fight the chaos. Don't question what you've done. The game can try to play us. Don't let it stop the fun. So there is something mischievous, evil that's kind of happening here that seems to be controlling Wanda. And we've talked about it multiple times on all these reviews. I still think there's a bigger play at here. And it does have to deal, obviously, with a, a multiverse, of, multiverse of madness. And I, I love how it's going to lead into it. But I think this is just the massive stepping stone or diving board, let's just say, because there's there, there are so many clues in this episode Fun ones, ridiculous ones, but ones that really seem to set things in motion. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this, and we're going to get into a lot of that later. But that's my – I love the opening lyrics of this song. It was fun. It captured Malcolm in the Middle perfectly. Yeah, and the song the, – the lyrics of the song kind of teed up for me a theme through the show, which is that the people – the townspeople that she is controlling – I think it's pretty clear now that she is controlling the town and the townspeople – they seem to be coming out of it a little bit. Like there's a few moments in this episode, more than one, that where somebody says, like, is is this the way you want it? Or like there's a kind of an awakening, Dave, where the the the, the town is sort of beginning to uh loosen up, or maybe it's it's this veneer that she has is starting to crack a little bit. I think this show goes established this episode I should say, establishes that there are are limits to what she's doing. 
And the vision very graphically explores those limits. He walks towards the edge of town, and as he gets further and further out from the epicenter of where Wanda is, the activity dies down more and more. That shot of the woman just kind of stuck in a loop of trying to hang a Halloween decoration over and over again, expressionless, with a single tear running down her face, was actually heartbreaking and terrifying all at the same time on what's supposed to be a very lighthearted show. And Wanda's clearly aware of it because she cautions her boys don't go past Ellis Avenue which is apparently a reference to President Ellis from Iron Man 3. Streets are normally named after presidents. Vision Mm -hmm. gets to that edge of town, and people are pretty much just frozen and stuck. It's like she has the ability to control all of what's going on right around her, and the further and further you get out, the more you extend that radius, the less and less control she has over it, and people just become zombies or inanimate objects at that point. Dave, that's an interesting point. I want to ask you something. I'm glad you are the one to talk about this because – her power is is obviously getting more powerful. It's getting bigger. It's expanding. We'll see more of that in the in this review of what what happens towards the end. But isn't it funny that she seems to be so powerful? She can control the hex. She can control these people. But when it gets farther away from her, there's less control over those people. Like she just doesn't. They're out of her. Almost like immediate eyesight or something, or or the or, or vicinity that she loses that control of it. But everyone keeps pointing out how unbelievably powerful she is. You almost feel like she could control them, but she's not. There is a weird game like, you're not part of my plan right now, so you go to sleep. You do your thing. You're stuck in that weird loop where they're just hanging the same ghost over and over again or whatever. I I thought this is where you were going to go with it, Scott, is the the original storyline with her children in the West Coast Avengers – uh, the children disappeared when she stopped thinking about them. Right. And this right. kind of builds on that. Like, oh, I'm not focused on you. You're not just in the wings waiting to come on stage for the show. You're completely off camera. Ergo, I'm not really doing anything with you. And that's and that's a great point, too. And that I kind of wanted to go there real quick is because the other thing is, is the whole thing about the children. We see every episode up to this point, there are no children in this episode. But children is the focus when they're implanting the idea of having children in her mind that children don't show up until it's been like reiterated over and over again in her brain that that there are no children and somebody said the point what are they all sleeping like did you all just have them sitting there sleeping until this moment because this is a very special halloween episode all of a sudden there's children everywhere in this episode I, I just figured it was kind of a callback to the last episode where the vision points out a flaw, like there are no children in this town. And so suddenly yeah. the next episode of WandaVision is the children's holiday, Halloween. Yeah. There's children everywhere. Right. See, I solved your problem. Nice. nice. We need to talk about the brother, Pietro, <laughs> Peter. It, uh, so I, I, I have questions about this for you guys. So I'm sure you do, Steve. Is, 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 All right. Greg, Greg Scott and I are here to help you, and Nico's here to make fun of you. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for that last part. Is is Pietro Peter or is is well that's question number one. And then question number two is, and I'll I'll have you start, Greg. Is Peter really is he there because he was called by her or is he there for some other reason? Like uh, you know, there's a couple of of conversations they have on the show that at one point he says, oh well, I'm just here to um. You know, to be the wise smack, wise cracking brother, and to you know create tension with you and the husband, and I'm feel I'm like fulfilling that role for you. But later on in the episode, he he, it's like it's as if he's out of 
I mean, he's thinking on his own and he's asking her, how did you do this? Like, you know, I'm your brother. You can talk to me. So what is Peter Pietro and uh, help? I need your help with this one. (laughs) So what's what I find funny about it is we have X-Men Pietro, uh, but he has all of the all of the memories of MCU Pietro, the Aaron Taylor Johnson Pietro. Um, He knows he was shot. Um, he remembers, you know, their life in Sokovia. You know, these are all the things that he's pulling from. But he does. In answer to your question, where did he come from? You know, he mentions he was shot, and then he hears Wanda's voice, so he came. Mm-hmm. Um, what? What? Another thing I kind of found interesting was was it was the first real showing in this in this series of Aaron Taylor Johnson. He gets a quick, you know we get a quick visual of him as he's being shot by Ultron in age of Ultron. That was the first time we've seen him, that actor in the entire series. It's always just been, you know, talk of his brother and every talk of her brother. Um, and we've never really seen Aaron Taylor Johnson. So I, I almost thought that they had really had problems getting him to appear on the show and not as an actor, just using his footage or whatever. But you know, that was, that was solved last night. Great. So, Greg, are you talking about Aaron Taylor Johnson from kick-ass? I'm just curious. Uh-huh. The same actor? Uh, yeah. I, I, I think he may have had a small part in that movie. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and and yes, they did they did call that out on the on the show last night. The reference to Kick Ass, which has both Aaron Taylor Johnson and Evan Peters. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a theory that I was reading uh, yesterday about this, and the theory is that this character is the the Pietro character is actually has something to do with Mephisto. See, I think it's possible that he could be Mephisto. You just look at some of the language that he's using, like, you know, he's calling the twins Hellspawn. He's really keen on showing off his powers to the twins and activating uh, speeds, powers. And Scott, you – so something I realized listening to last week's show, you were talking about things with regard to the twins – as if they were going to happen that hadn't happened yet. Like you were talking about them as superpowered and with their character identities, and we hadn't gotten to that yet. Yeah. So then as soon as this episode started and Wiccan walks in frame wearing like a homemade Wiccan costume, I was like, oh, okay. So we didn't get too far ahead of ourselves, at least on last week's episode. They're making it blatantly obvious what's going on here. But I think that gets to your, your earlier question, Steve, to Greg. Why is – Petro so conscious of who he is and able to have these conversations with Wanda. What if that actually is Mephisto and he's kind of manifesting himself there at that moment to patch things back up because Vision was about to break the spell and kind of ruin whatever the master plan is. Then he mm-hmm. kind of steps back in and starts steering it in the right direction. Yeah, he so, he, call, he calls the kids Devil Spawn. He says, "Damn, if Westview isn't charming as hell." Yep. He's 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 impressed with her ability to control and manipulate all these people um the devil will always flatter you first of all i learned that in bible school as a kid the devil will always flatter you so there are more hints to this and and i want to make sure that that phrase is is correctly stated um he says unleash hell demon spawn he's telling them to go and and wreak havoc and he is in the comics these kids are part of his soul they actually are broken pieces of his soul um, I think the biggest hint, and I am so proud of this moment, and it may be a stretch, is when he – okay, two things happen. He does wake up 
and do these little like devilish tricks on on the kids where he sneaks up and screams at them and he does the same thing to Wanda. He's a trickster. Mm, he's mm-hmm. and he keeps scaring the hell out of these guys. The second thing is when he's doing these little trick moments and he's preparing for Halloween, he picks up a bottle two bottles of shaving cream and says, "Where are the water balloons?" The shaving cream bottles are red and green, which are the colors of the twins and their costumes. And the way he's holding them mimics the cover of one of the West Coast Avengers covers where it does show, uh, and I'm sorry, it's not Mephisto, but it is played part of Mephisto's plan of the two It's, it's kids, the villain Master Pandemonium. Master Pandemonium. Thank you, Dave. Uh, two of the kids are actually kind of like morphed into his arms, and it's just a disturbing-looking shot, but he's holding it in the same exact position, like – and it's right after he plays that kind of weird trick on on Wanda where he screams right up in her face or he's scaring her. And, uh, yeah, the mention of hell multiple times, the demon spawn thing. I really feel like he is actually Mephisto. Oh, oh, oh there's a response with that one, Steve. Sorry about that. No, that's OK. I, I, I it seemed like I was getting conflicting pieces of evidence on the show. And so you guys have confirmed um there, there, there are is, conflicting there are conflicting pieces of evidence. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. But just it feels like these pieces of evidence are actually clues as opposed to conflicting pieces of evidence. Oh, and oh. I will also as my prebuttal to anything that Scott's going to say about an Easter egg in this episode. <laughs> yeah, my work, I have... my working theory on this is, is that the closer you get to the end of the show, the less likely it is that it's a cute Easter egg just there for the fan. And the more likely it is that it's an actual clue for the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's two more. And, and this one's just going to drive Greg nuts. I, and I did this on purpose because I love getting Greg riled up over this stuff. But this <laughs> is actually a funny clue. And I found this out by doing a little bit of research online last night in those close up shots with the shaving cream. He's talking to Wanda. His sleeves are pulled up like he has almost cut off sleeves. Very late 90s early, you know, uh, around the house attire or they're rolled up. And he does have a tattoo that says mom. Written in this really weird red font. Red is a very symbolic color for Wanda through this episode. And the word mom can also be an acronym for, oh, God, Greg's going to go nuts, the multiverse of madness, which I thought was so perfect that they didn't edit out his actual tattoo that says mom on his shoulder. And the character of Pietro does say to him when there's a fight about to break uh, uh, happen between uh, Vision and Wanda, where he does say, you know what? Let him go do his quest where he's going to go be security or whatever for this Halloween episode. The kids need a father figure. Let the cool uncle step in and take take control. And what do we see through the whole episode? He's encouraging these kids to go off and wreak havoc and steal candy and smash pumpkins and do very devilish type things. And, and, and those are all things that Petro is doing, right? Because right. Speed yeah. hasn't manifested his powers at that point yet when they have that cute that cute, funny moment, but a little disturbing where it's like, hey, all the candy is missing. Oh, that's that's Quicksilver stealing all the candy. That Wait, is. all the pumpkins are being smashed. Wait, that's Quicksilver smashing all the pumpkins. So it's almost like he's showing them to be that. And in the same way, he's teaching them also about the powers, which the first person we see after that, Dave, is uh, uh, Speed, who gets his his mm-hmm. his speed. <laughs> Can I, can I say one more real quick about the opening sequence before we move into the rest of the episode? Of course you can. There is one moment, because we're leaving out the other character who will show up later, which is uh, Agnes. 
Uh, one of the funny moments in the opening song in the opening credits is there's a close up of her bending over looking in the cupboards and she's wearing those pants very famous in the late 90s and 2000s where words are written across the butt. And it does say naughty across her ass. <laughs> All right. Can we stick on that for a second? Is there any doubt that Agnes is Agatha Harkness at this point? Yes, there is doubt. OK, I think it's very little doubt. I mean, you know, yeah. yes, ahead, but I'm just saying there there is there is doubt. It's a small amount, but there is doubt. I mean, yeah. you've got her cackling like a witch, you know, in the car with vision at, at, when he's about to walk out of the of the hex. I mean, to me, she's, she's a witch. The thing that gives me that gives me a little bit of doubt or they've at least left the door open for it to not be the thing that we think it is, is that the vision dehypnotizes her. Right. right. He frees her from Wanda's powers. If she we've all been kind of operating under the assumption that she is in Westview, but she's not really one of the residents and she has some power and control and she has power and control over what's happening to her, unlike other Westview residents. And if that was true, Vision shouldn't be able to take her out of the trance. And she was clearly in the trance and the vision took her out of the trance in this episode. Although, so, Dave, I'm she, just saying it, it, it leaves it opens the door. It doesn't mean that that's true. It could be you know, a misdirection of some kind, but it opens the door at least. Although, <clears throat> so the only thing about the trance moment, I won't go into the other issues yet, but the trance moment is she's the only one I think so far in the entire series that is able to talk during the trance about something that's not Wanda like made. She is having a conversation. She's saying some, I can't remember what the words were that she was saying though. She is saying something though. Yeah. She, oh, she broke, she broke character. But again, we had in this episode uh, the next door neighbor, Vern, like you even alluded – you even mentioned it earlier, Scott. He looks at Wanda like, wait, is this what you want to happen? Is there something I can do for you? Is this something that I want to – that you want to happen? We see Petro speaking kind of off book and off character. So I'm just saying it's no longer a unique phenomenon. They've introduced it and perhaps for different reasons elsewhere. We can't just say it's a unique phenomenon and therefore absolutely means something. I think the, the Herb story is – there's something her, fascinating. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I think there is something very right. That's a that also is a big clue right there. The fact that he's dressed as Frankenstein's monster. He's not Frankenstein. So there is a funny, interesting thing to that. Yeah, he does break that character. And I think he's somebody different because I don't think he was on that wall of people identified. Was he on there with the driver's license and stuff? He's another person or character. Ooh, I, don't I don't remember, remember. him being here now. Mm. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Vision for a moment, because I, th- I I get the same vibes from Vision. Like, you know, at, at times he seems like he's acting of his own accord and thinking for himself. And at other times he's under her control. In this episode, he is more awoken to, you know, what's going on. And actually he, as, as you know, at this point, he walks out of the of the hex. Um, is he a reanimated corpse? Yes. Or Yes. OK. Yeah. And is the and so when he crosses the barrier of the hex and he's getting pulled back and parts of him are flying off and that's because he he already has died. He has no life outside of the hex, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think the magic is wearing off and he's reverting back to to what he was. And remember, this is taking five place five years after he died, right? Remember there's yeah. a five year jump forward in Endgame from Infinity War. So he was dead and disassembled, and even though he's a mixture of, you know, like a, like a Terminator robot, flesh and machine, the flesh would have decayed off of him at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I also like the fact that he's outside the hex. Everyone's like, well, he should just turn into a corpse and drop. That's not true, and I think that's what's really great about this is that the, the magic that's keeping this hex bubble alive, Wanda's like little vision here, uh, excuse the pun, but she, you know, it like we saw on the drone, like we saw on Monica Rambo, it that red kind of magic stays with them for a little bit. It mm-hmm. stayed on her body when she was laying there while the, the sword agents came up to her. The drone, we see it being pulled into like the the area where they're going to figure out what's going on. He's like, I want everything dissected on this thing. I want everything figured out. It's still there. So he doesn't just drop dead and turn into parts. He's slowly being disassembled, which is a reference to one of the comics. So you see Wanda's face on the cover of the comics where it's actually pieces of her are being pulled apart. Um <clears throat> I love that. I love that he's still alive enough to talk and tell them that the people of the town need help or he's here to help them or need, they need their help. And as that's happening, the hex is kind of sucking him back in and pulling him piece by piece to put reassemble him. I thought that was kind of interesting. Before we get to the end of, of <clears throat> the episode, I, I want to focus in on the claymation commercial. <laughs> yes, because we skipped the commercial last week. Yeah. Lagos well, paper towels. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Husbands need them too. Um, Nico, what did you make of the commercial? What were your thoughts on the claymation, and and what we were what were we being told? Um, what's the message there? Um, you need the magic, or you're gonna die. And also, claymation is just really creepy. Also, <laughs> claymation is really creepy. But um. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's this your magic is this thing that is you know gonna keep you alive. You want it, you need it. There's no other choice. And if you don't get it, look what happens. It's yeah, kind of this thing that's it's not yours. You don't you don't get to get it on your own. It has to be given to you from somewhere else, from someone else, and uh, you don't have another choice for anything else. And if you don't have it, you don't get it. Guess what? It's a Damn, slow, that's a, painful death. That's a great point. I didn't even pick up on was that it's being given to the kid by a shark, and it's it's mirroring what Wanda's doing to all the townspeople, mm-hmm. who if she's the one giving well, the magic, she's the shark. That's no Scott. Oh, oh she's the one being given the magic. The uh-huh. kid's wearing red. The kid's uh-huh. wearing red and. All these commercials are about her and her tragic story, right? It's not about anybody else. She's getting this magic by a shark. She's getting this power from somewhere else. And without it, she'll die. Oh, that's fascinating. That's Hmm. a a great poll. I didn't didn't even think of that. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what this fucking commercial was about. And it was was disturbing as hell. Wait, don't you remember the old Gogurt commercials back in the 2000s when the kids died in the commercial? Those were the greatest. Oh, yeah. Those were the best. Every 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 commercial where somebody died in it was was completely. I went out and bought that product immediately. <laughs> All right, so 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 Wanda at the end here. Wanda's Wanda realizes through her child that Vision is in trouble. Um, the child sees um, military men holding rifles. He says, uh. They think he's dying, and she pauses everything with her power and begins to expand the hex. And so my 
my question to you is, I, I still can't get over that Wanda has this much power. You guys have shared that she could have killed Thanos, and that was actually referenced in an earlier episode this season of, of WandaVision. Um, are her powers in the comics so immense that – I mean, how big can this hex get? Are we talking the state? She, are we talking the country, the world? What uh, in, in in House of M, she literally changed the reality for the entire planet. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. She she starts out as kind of a a minor character, you know, as a as as one of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants way back in you know X Men One. Is it X Men One? I think it's X Men One. She's one. I of think the might have been X Men Four. I think X Men One they fought Magneto solo, and then issue four was the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So we're so we're talking very early in the in the in the in the current age of, of Marvel Comics is what we're talking there. That's how long she's been around. Uh, but yeah, like Dave says, she is one of the alpha powered mutants now that literally has the power to change reality. So she is basically a god. Wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't she be uh, beyond Omega level then? Whatever Omega, their classification like, is. Yeah. Yeah. Omega, Omega level. Omega, Omega. level. And she's, yeah. she's considered beyond Omega level. So are are they leaning towards, or are they hinting at, with Monica Rambo becoming a, a mutant or getting some powers right because she's gone through the barrier twice and it's altered her cell structure? Um, I think it's... A, what's going on there? The, the, the hints are so heavy that uh, Monica Rambo's first appearance in the comics as Captain Marvel has skyrocketed to nearly two hundred dollars. So people are taking it seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny watching these 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 properties and and correlating that to the value of the comics as they go <laughs> along. Uh, I, I am personally just glad I do own a copy of New Mutants ninety eight. That's all I'm saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Deadpool. And now when that part three comes out, Greg, that thing's going to go way through the roof. Hey, hey, I, I own Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16, and I think I paid $3 for it. So I'm I'm excited to watch that thing skyrocketing up the charts right now. <clears throat> I love all of her references to the actual first appearances of all these characters. Well, so so back to the question, though. Is Ram is Monica Rambo in the comics? Is she – what is she a superpowered being? Is well, she a mutant? She's, what is, she's actually yeah, – well, she's a superpowered being. She's ridiculously superpowered. She yeah. originally had the ability to change her body into any form of energy. Which, which sounds really trite, but when put in the hands of somebody who understands science, like her creator and original writer on the Avengers, Roger Stern, it's it, it's an incredibly powerful thing. She can transform herself into X-rays, into gamma radiation, into cosmic radiation. Yeah, I, I my money's on the fact that there, she is going to become. I think her main character in the comics is Photon, but seriously, Steve, she was she's a lot Spectrum of different now. Spectrum, okay. Um, but I don't know. There's too many. <laughs> What's that? She, she, She's, I was gonna say, how many names did she had? She started out as Captain Marvel. She started Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, then went Photon, then it was something else, <laughs> and then now oh, it's Spectre. Rambo, Monica Rambo was Captain Marvel originally. Yes. She took up oh, the mantle of Captain Marvel, not, right? Not that Captain Marvel though, not that one. She, oh, she was named Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm getting this. My God. Oh yeah. I know. It's, yeah. it's uh, like trying to it's like trying to track the character arc on like days of our lives over a 50 year period steve so it's okay we understand we understand the frustration it's really steve seriously if you think this is bad and we're confusing you we could have gone in full vision mode golden age comics when he does when pietro mentions shangri-la there's a whole thing prior to marvel with shangri-la and how vision oversees what is it 
life and death, right? Or something like that. And that's all in this mystical Shangri-La world. I know. Oh. Before I before oh. I have to listen to the sound of dozens of our viewers turning off the podcast as we've gotten into too deep of a cut. <laughs> I'm gonna... That happened like five episodes ago, by the way. Um, so now they named her after a cheesy strip mall in Orange County. You guys know about Orange County, right? Orange County as a whole has become the beacon of what the f***. That's exactly right. (laughs) Uh, We're going to start wrapping this episode up. And um, I'd I'd like to see just we have about two minutes here on the uh, on the old wrap up music here. Um, So what are we talking about in terms of predictions? I want to know who do you guys think is the ultimate big baddie? That is waiting in the wings. And I'll start with Dave. Mephisto. All right. One for Mephisto. Scott. 100%. I'm all in with uh, Mephisto and Multiverse of Madness. Mephisto is the literal devil, right? In the yes. comics? Yes. Okay. Greg? Uh, kind of. But kind of. See, uh, I... Guys. Yeah, well, they can't just say it's the devil because of the comics code authority back when he was created, but it's nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's the devil. It's Greg, the devil. you got 30 seconds. I don't think it's the devil. I think it's I think it's an amalgamation of, of the devil and the character Nightmare. Nico. So, yeah. Uh, I think we'll see Mephisto, possibly Nightmare, whatever. But I'm right. with Doctor. See you next week. <laughs>